0: We shall turn again to the word of God that we read together in the book of Luke, chapter 23. And seeking the Lord's help, we will take as our text today the words we find in verse 43. And he, being Jesus, said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Especially these words, Today you will be with me in paradise. The last two times that I had the privilege of preaching here, we were at Calvary. And there is no better place for us to come on the Sunday before a communion. And once again coming to Calvary and to seek, to see if we can get a little bit of understanding of even one aspect of what happened there. So I want to look as the Lord will enable me today at the second saying on the cross. Our Saviour's second saying on the cross and we will look at it under two headings. The first one is the words of the penitent thief on the cross, which will be taken up most of our time. And then secondly, the words of Christ, the penitent thief on the cross. And I hope and pray that as we go through this little portion of scripture, that there will be something here to encourage us as we seek to go forward and prepare for sitting at the Lord's table, those of us who are the Lord's people and those of us who have trusted, placed our trust in him. And we also seek, even more importantly, to challenge those who have yet to place their trust in the Lord, in the hope that they would become the Lord's own believing people also. There are very few people in this world, I am guessing, who wake up in the morning, and say with certainty today is the day that I will die. I don't suppose there is one person who got out of bed this morning in here and said that or thought that. Yes we may have thought today I might die but I doubt any of us said today will be the day that I will die. But on this day That was the experience of Christ. He knew that this was going to be the day that he would die. And not just him at Calvary, but also the thief on the cross, the penitent thief on the cross, knew that too. Despite the fact that people could live for two or three days on the cross, he knew that this was his last day on mercy's ground. Because Christ told him, today... You will be with me in paradise. I want to call this believing thief, the penitent thief, simply because that is what I have always known him as growing up. That is what greater preachers of the gospel than me have always called him. The word penitent thief just simply means to feel sorrow or shame for something that we have done. Another more common word for it it would be repentant. And this is the experience of this man. And we are thankful to the Lord that this is one of the seven sayings on the cross. We are thankful to the Lord today that it is revealed to us in Scripture, in black and white, that it is possible that we can come to faith in Jesus Christ as our Saviour, as death approaches, as we are out from eternity, as we are but minutes from eternity. But my friends, few there be that are like that. Many a person is in hell just now who thought that they would have opportunity to become saved on their deathbed. So let's look at then our first heading, the words of the penitent thief on the cross and when we have looked at this portion that we have read it would appear that one thief is a believer and one thief is not it would appear that the two thieves are completely different in nature it would appear that they have always been like that on the cross but i want to bring to your attention the importance of whatever portion of scripture we look at in the New Testament in one of the Gospels, the need that there is for us to read the four Gospels because that gives us a complete picture of what is actually taking place. Because we read in Matthew chapter 27 and in verse 44, we read this, He saved others, they said. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let him deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. The robbers. The plural. What scripture is actually telling us here although it is not recorded in Luke's account, is that there was a time when both thieves were mocking Christ on the cross. There was a time when both thieves hated Christ on the cross. There was a time when both thieves were caught up in the pure venom from the centre of hell itself. When all those round about mocked Christ. When all those round about laughed at him and jeered at him and spat on him and mocked him there was also it says in scripture one on his left side and one on his right side who joined in and did likewise and that is why we need to, to look at all four gospels when looking at the life of christ here are two thieves and they are on the very brink of eternity They are at the most hours, a few hours, an hour, minutes from eternity. And they are both mocking Christ. But it's interesting to see that Luke is the only one of the four Gospels that gives an account that there was a penitent thief. And Luke's account of this story is the only one that has reference to these words of one thief being saved today you will be with me in paradise. Notice the, at- the the satanic if it's not written in the ESV version of the Bible. The last two times I preached I preached from the AV but in the EV version of the Bible it says if in verse 39 one of the criminals who hanged that at him saying if you are not, the Christ if you are the Christ save yourself that's a tiny gift that comes from hell itself and this are you not the Christ this is not a prayer for them to be saved this is them mocking our saviour this is them mocking Christ one on either side of the saviour and so we ask the question why is it Why is it that both men on either side of Christ hate him so much? Why have they joined in as death approaches? Well, the only conclusion that I can come to is simply this. is that they have joined in because the Romans in these days... Very often crucified people in groups of three. And the one who was in the centre was always considered to be the worst of the three. And our saviour is in the middle. And he is therefore considered as a way worse person than the two robbers on either side of him. And all the abuse is directed at Christ all the venom, all the hatred, and you have one man on either side of Christ and nobody is paying any attention to them as they are preparing, as they are nearing death. And these men, I am sure, are getting angry and frustrated as they seem as if their lives at death is irrelevant and how defeated they would feel. And so they just do what everybody else do. They joined everybody else in the chorus from hell itself, and they added their amen to what everybody else was saying at Calvary that day. I wonder, I wonder, was there ever a time where a man was so hated in the world as Christ was at that moment? As together they all mock our Saviour. The one that we seek to remember here next weekend. But the remarkable thing and the wonderful thing about this whole account of Scripture is that it's not by chance that Christ is in the middle. Yes, Pilate sought to put him there to humiliate him further. But little did Pilate realize that what he is actually doing is that he is fulfilling the Scriptures from hundreds of years ago where we read in the book of Isaiah, he poured out his soul into death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sins of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. Here was something that was prophesied from a long, long time ago. You know, I wonder, have you ever thought Of Christ in this way. wonder have you ever thought of the unmeasurable love. Of your saviour. And as you think of him being born into this world. And he is surrounded. By the beasts of the field. And as he leaves this world. He leaves this world. Between two thieves. Mocking. That is the unmeasurable depth. Depths. Of the love of Christ for his people. That we will be seeking to remember. Next weekend God willing. And can I tell you this. As we think about these two thieves. For just a moment. It's worth their while thinking about. The equal access that they both had to Christ at this time. They were both equally. In the providence of God, they were placed one on either side of Christ. And they are both men that are urgently in need of forgiveness. They are both men that are dying. They are both men that are in need of salvation. They are both men that are dying in excruciating pain. And yet it is recorded that one died in a sin and the other went to heaven. And yet they both had equal access to Christ. My friends, that's the way it is even today with us. We all have equal access to Christ this day. And my hope and my prayer is that with this equal access, that none of us would be lost. That none of us would end up like the other thief who died when he had opportunity still going to hell it's interesting to read the first noticeable step that this repentant thief takes we read of it here in verse 40 no sooner has it been said are you not a Christ save yourself and us But then in verse 40 we read, But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? It's remarkable that somewhere between the mockery of this man, something happens, and his mockery and his hatred is removed. And it stops. And it's a first step in his repentance. And I wonder when we trace back when Christ came into our lives what the first step of our repentance was. I remember seeking the Lord in my own terms from the ages of 15 to 17 to 19 when when the Lord came into my life. And looking back I can say that probably for me the first step of my repentance and it wasn't really repentance, it was simply this. For the first three weekends of the month I would go out with my pals and I would get drunk. But weekend number four, I would always stay at home. And what I would do is, I would in secret go and take my grandfather's good books, godly books, and read them upstairs. Or back in the day then, as it was in the late 80s, early 90s, what I would do is I would go for a long bath on a Friday or Saturday night and connect a personal stereo with a tape in it and listen to a sermon. Because I knew in the bath this is the only place that nobody would catch me listening to the word of God. There's a first step for every single one of us. As if in some way for me giving the Lord this one weekend out of four would make things right for the way I was living my life for the other three weekends. It was foolishness of course. But in some way or another it was the beginning of seeking the Lord. So here's this man, and his first notable step of repentance is to ask this question. What made him say this? We're we're not sure. What What made him say, do you not fear God? I suppose it's possible that maybe this man heard Christ preach. Maybe we could say that. Maybe he saw a miracle that Christ did. Maybe he was present to hear how Christ was able to witness and speak back to Pilate and to all those caught up in the farce of the judicial system. Perhaps it was what was written above, us, above the cross that he was able to see. I rather think that, it was a, that this was a result of what our Saviour said in his first cry on the cross. When his first plea was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I think there was something in these words that made this thief stop. The mocking and the hatred. As he sought to look upon Christ in a different way. However, the one thing that we do know for certain is that here, the Holy Spirit is present in this man's life. And here the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. And here the Holy Spirit is is at work and his consciousness is alive. Do you remember that experience in your life as Christians? When first you closed in with Christ. When the Holy Spirit challenged you. And you went on bended knee. And you sought the Lord's mercy and forgiveness. Or are you here like that today? And the Holy Spirit arrested you and challenged you many years ago. And for one reason or another, you still haven't made things right with the Lord. And you still haven't closed it with Christ. And notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say do you not fear punishment? He says, do you not fear God? Here's a man who is realising for the first time ever that he is worthy of the punishment that is bestowed upon him. And I'll tell you this, that must have come as a shock to the other thief on the cross when all of a sudden this one stopped more. This penitent thief who is nameless in scripture. He has been given an insight into his own sinfulness. He's beginning to understand who he is. He's beginning to understand what he is. As the book of Proverbs wonderfully reminds us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is his experience. This is what he's going through. This is what is happening in his life at this time. And then it's interesting. He has no sooner asked the question. And then immediately after that he rebukes the other thief. Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. First, there is a question, and then he rebukes them. The condemnation of death. They all three of them are under the condemnation of death. They are under the condemnation of death, not for the same reason, but they are all under the condemnation of death. Two of them are guilty, and one of them is innocent. And then more remarkably, not only is there a question, not only is there a rebuke, but you find in what this thief says to the other thief in verse 41 that we read of his confession. He confesses in verse 41, we indeed justly are receiving the reward of our deeds. See what the Holy Spirit is doing in this man's life. He has reached the point where there are no more excuses for him. He has reached the point where he recognises that the punishment for sin is death. And we see what he says. He doesn't say that you are worthy of this punishment. But what he is actually saying is that we, plural, are both worthy of this punishment of death. This is what we deserve. You know, I wonder, have have you gone through this and stopped and seen step by step changes that is taking place in this man's life, this penitent thief. And notice he, he, he has no sooner done the first confession, but then remarkably the story gets even more glorious, because then he goes into his second confession, where he goes on to say, but this man has done nothing wrong. Have you noticed that Before. And what is happening here? Well, this thief is joining the ever-growing list of all the others in in the trial of Christ who have seen no wrong in him. Look at the list that there is. You have Herod. You have Pilate. You have Pilate's wife. You have Judas Iscariot. And all four of them have openly admitted and it is recorded in scripture that this man has done nothing amiss. And here's a fifth person with a second confession. Oh, how the spirit of grace is enlightening this man. Do you remember when it enlightened you for the first time? How wonderful that was. I've been thinking so much this week of the courage that this thief had. The courage that it took for him to stand alone and be the only one at Calvary, apart from the woman and the beloved disciple that was not throwing abuse at Christ. He stops and he declares Jesus Christ innocent. And he places his faith in Christ. And what you have here is a dying thief placing his faith in a dying saviour. Isn't that wonderful to read in scripture? What an honour he is bestowing upon Jesus Christ. As Christ nears death at this moment in time. And then... Even more remarkably, we read in verse forty two that he has some kind of understanding of the kingship of Christ. Because in verse forty two we read He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Here is our Saviour, here is the one that we will remembering next weekend in the depths of disgrace at Calvary. Here is our Saviour and he is deserted by his own disciples. Here is is our Saviour and he is mocked by his own nation. And here is our Saviour and he is suffering as a pretender to all those concerned of being the Messiah. And yet here's this one voice, this one man who is beside him on the cross, who understands and recognises who he is and makes his profession of faith in Christ. Oh, my friends, that must have been such an encouragement to our Savior as he nears death. And I want you to see just a moment the helplessness of this thief. Have you thought about that before? How helpless this man is. Here's a man and he's never going to be able to walk the paths of righteousness because his feet are nailed to the cross. Here's a man who's never going to be able to try and perform good works because his hands are nailed to the cross. Here is a man who in a sense is not going to be able to live a better life Because he has moments from death, All the things that we have opportunity of doing for Christ. But you know my friends. It's in that state of helplessness. That you and I have to come to Christ too. It's in that helpless state. That we come to Christ seeking salvation. Is that not how you came? When first the spirit of the Lord came into your hearts. Did you not come to Christ in a hopeless, helpless situation. Saying there is nothing I can do. Only you can save me Lord. He knows that there is nothing that Christ can do for him physically. To end his physical pain. But here is a man who is nearing death. And he knows that there is something that Jesus Christ can do for him. To save him from eternal ruin. And eternal pain. And here is a man who declares Jesus Christ to be exactly who he is, the Messiah, the Chosen One of God. He declares that Christ has a kingdom and he declares that Christ has a throne. And we don't know what understanding this thief had of that. Very likely little or no understanding. We don't know if he had any understanding of the fact that Christ was going to die and resurrect again. We don't know if he had any understanding that Christ is yet going to come again in the second coming in his full glory. We don't know these things. But all this man knows is that this Jesus has a kingdom. And all he knows is that he wants to be part of it someday. But here are a few things he does know for certain. He knows for certain that there is eternal life after death. And he knows for certain that there is a eternal reward after death. Or there is punishment after death. And he knows for certain that this kingdom that is coming belongs to the Lord. And he knows that the Lord doesn't want this kingdom just for himself. He knows that the Lord wants others to be in this kingdom with him. And that is enough for this thief on the cross. Who knows if you ever heard the word of God like you and I did. So let's look then at our second heading. The words of the penitent thief. The words of Christ to the penitent thief on the cross. Have you ever looked at this and thought to yourself, my word, what self-control Jesus Christ has at this moment in time? It's beyond our understanding. Can we even begin to understand the noise, the hatred, the venom, the applause of hell at Calvary? Can we even begin to understand how that is affecting the ears of Christ? And yet our Saviour is speechless. When everybody hates him, What self-control our saviour has. And in the midst of all that noise. And in the midst of all that hatred. Yet he is able to hear this thief speaking to him. He is able to hear this believing thief worshipping him. And he is able to hear this thief say. Jesus remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And you know this, immediately Christ speaks. Immediately. Christ, our Saviour that we remember here next week, he's not somebody who says, who do you think you are after all you've done to me? Our Saviour doesn't say to him, not a chance. There's no forgiveness for someone like you. Our Saviour doesn't say just because you're minutes from death, you're not, going, you're not going to be saved. No, my friends, the one that we remember says immediately, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And Christ does for this thief as he nears death exactly what he did for you and me when grace first came into our lives. He does the same three things for us. He hears and he answers his prayer. As he did ours. He pardons the sins of this guilty man. And he promises them. A reward in heaven. In paradise forever. Just like he did. To you and me. And as he has done. The only difference for us for a hint. Is that we get to experience his keeping in this world of his own beloved people as we as we sang in that in that wonderful psalm in verse in verse 10 was it in verse 10 and i was cast upon thy care even from the womb till now and from my mother's belly lord my, guide, my God and guide are thou. That has been our experience in the life of grace. As this man is now promised a place in glory. We read in our account of the Bible here the word truly I say to you. In the authorised version it is the word verily and whenever Christ says the word verily it means that an important statement is going to come out. Truly verily I say to you you will be with me in paradise today. Oh my friends the thief's prayer was great and wonderful. But what is even more greater and more wonderful still was the answer to it from the Lord for this penitent thief and here in the moment of Christ's greatest weakness he is able to promise a dying sinner one of his own chosen people (coughs) mercy while death is hovering and he says to him today now I don't want to Belittle other faiths of other religions in any way at all. But Christ says, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. And that, my friends, tells us, with all due respect, that the teaching of purgatory is a lie. That tells us, with all due respect, that there is no mysterious delay in death, that there is no state of unconsciousness when we die. Here is Christ saying to this man that the minute that he dies, he will go to heaven. And the minute that we die, as believers, we will go to heaven. And the minute that we will die, as the unbelievers, we will go to hell. And that is what Christ is saying today. Why today? Why does Christ say today? Christ is so sure that it's going to be today. And yet we know from history and from Scripture and, and from the great theologians and from all the great commentators that people could live for two or three days on the cross before they died. We know it was today because in another one of the Gospels we read that the soldiers came to break the legs of these thieves in order to hasten their death. Today. Well, here are a few encouraging thoughts with regard to this man. As our communion season approaches I want to say that conversion is possible to the worst of people, to the chiefest of sinners. That is what we are being taught here. And conversion is possible at the later stages in life, although my friends it is few and far between. I remember a time as an apprentice driving a van to Harris when it was the old roads and going round a corner on a single track road and going up a hill and coming face to face with a 40-foot articulated lorry fully loaded with salmon coming down the hill. And I froze on the single track road and I didn't reverse into the siding. And that 40-foot articulated lorry went straight into the van. And pushed the van a matter of inches away from the edge of the road where death would have been certain going down an embankment. But do you know that as that Lord lorry approached, I closed my eyes and I said to myself, hell, here I come. It was too late to call upon the name of the Lord. And I was convinced I was going to hell. But it is possible to be saved a dead store although few there be that find it and I want to encourage those of us who are not members I want to encourage you that membership into a church is not going to deny you a place in heaven you may never be a member of the congregation. But that will never, ever deny you a place in the kingdom of God. Heaven is full of people who never sat at the Lord's table. My hope and prayer is that those of us who aren't members yet and love the Lord will get the strength to come in the coming days. But if not, you will not be denied a place in glory. This man was never most likely not baptized, and this man possibly knew very little of Scripture, and yet in heaven as he is for him now. The greatest witness in my life ever was my grandfather. And he would take out a suit every Thursday night with a desire to put it on to go to the prayer meeting. And every Thursday night he would take it out of the wardrobe and he would look at it and he would weep. And he never, ever once got the strength to go to the, to go to the prayer meeting. And he died and he wasn't a member or an office bearer, and he never went to a prayer meeting. But he was the greatest influence of what a Christian should be that I've ever seen. So that should be a means of encouraging us but there's a warning here too my friends of the other thief too who carried on walking and who died in his sins and went to hell a wonder if a wonder of Christ dare we say a wonder of Christ is looking down from glory today and unknown to us he is saying, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I wonder if Christ is looking down in glory and as we are preparing for the communions, there may not even be a communion next weekend. If in the coming days or today or tomorrow he comes in the second glory and that is it. Robert Murray McShane used to say that we were incomplete Christians if we were not awaiting the Lord's return each day. And it's worth noting here too that this man was not saved because Jesus Christ spoke to him directly first. This man was saved because he came to speak to Christ first. And Christ answered. And that shows us that there's a responsibility on our part. We cannot stand and sit and say, well, if I'm going to be saved, I'm going to be saved. There's nothing I can do about it. That's rubbish. There's a part we have to play. We have to want to be saved. And we have to ask of the Lord to come into our lives yes it can happen unexpectedly like it did to Saul of Tarsus but in the most part there's a seeking involved in our part that we must do and here now the Lord in glory is saying to us today as we're preparing to leave are we going to place our trust in Jesus like this penitent thief did? Well, that's a decision that we all have to make. Some of us have made that decision before, long ago, and have said for me to live as Christ and to die as King. But what of those of us who haven't said that? These two thieves are representatives of mankind. Where one goes to heaven by faith because of his love of Christ and the other goes to hell because he chooses not to want to have this Christ to rule over him. So, my question is this at the end of this service which thief are we going to spend eternity with? Because we're going to spend eternity with one of these two men in one of these two places. That much is sure. And here today the Lord is giving us one more opportunity to come and to see the beauty of Christ and to place our trust in Christ whilst we are found on mercy's ground. My friends, if a dying saviour can save a wretched thief like this who is being crucified because of his sins, how much more do you think a risen saviour who will never ever die again can save you if you ask him. So that's a question. Will you ask him? Will you ask him? Surely, surely there's nobody in here today who is saying, I want to spend eternity in hell with the mocker of the cross who despised Christ. May it be that we too will spend eternity in glory forever with this thief. His name is not revealed to us, but one day we'll know his name and glory. Those of us who love and trust in Christ, as he did in this life. Amen. May the Lord bless to us these thoughts. To his name be the glory.